Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. That's right. I, I just, uh, first, I, I got to thank Pastors Chase and Sarah because I really, really appreciate what they do. And I honor them. Thank you. I thank them for allowing me to speak to you today. I don't take it lightly. I know that as a, as a pastor of a church and you're shepherding over a flock, you're real tight with all those. You want to protect those that you're, that you're leading in the word. And, and I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, if you can, just honor them. If you appreciate them, just show them their love. I really appreciate it. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. You are so wonderful. I thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that is in this place. He is so thick in this place today, Father. I feel him and I thank you, Lord. It lets me know that you are there, that you are here, that you love us and that you care. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what Jesus did on the cross. And in his name we pray, amen. Well, I'm gonna give you my 50 second bio. And you say, why 50 second bio? And I said, well, I got invited to the 50 group. And when I saw that email come through, I looked at Kathy and I said, I don't know how I feel about this because I've always been the baby. So for somebody to go, hey, the senior group wants you to you know, hang out with them, but we did have a really, really good time. Um, Thursday night, was, that was wonderful to see that many people. I, really, I didn't know there was that many people over 50. The whole entire, I walked in, it was like the whole restaurant. So that was really good. So I, I want to begin today and I want to tell you about, I want to talk about a group of people. And this group of people got together many, many years ago, and that group of people wanted to become a nation. They wanted to be a country like all the nations that surrounded them. So what they did is they started praying about it. And God had told them how to become a country and how to become a, a nation not just any nation, but a nation that was going to be an example to others. You see, this group of people treated people differently. They treated widows differently than the people that treated them in other countries. They treated orphans differently than the other ones. They didn't cast people out because of who they were. And because that country did that, they became a nation that was beginning to be an example to the world. Now, this nation, as they got better and better, they wanted to grow and take on everybody that they did. So they started loving on everybody and they started standing up and they started praying to the almighty God, Yahweh. And they said, if we're to be a light unto the hill on everybody, then we need God to be at the forefront of everything that we do. When they did that, the nation started thriving. They were a better nation than the rest of the world. The countries around them started looking at the, this nation and going, wow, I want to be a part of that nation. They have a dream that I want to be part of. I have a dream that lines up with what they believe. But something happened. How many times when you know something, too much of a good thing, when things start going good, we kind of start backing off a little bit. We start letting things happen that might, may change us into a different person. Well, that country, that nation started doing that. They started accepting things. They started letting things come into their community, things that they knew weren't quite what God had told them to be, and that nation started having problems. They had problems to where 
the nation didn't quite look like that nation anymore. How many people think I'm talking about America? Hold that thought. Turn to Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 1. Keep your Bible open. I got a ton of scripture. Don't worry. I'm not going to try my best not to give you a big dissertation this morning, but God gave me a bunch of stuff to give you, and I want to make sure I get it all in. And we're starting the book of Daniel, chapter 1. And that scripture reads, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish and of good appearance and skillful wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that they were to eat, what the king ate and what the wine he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of the time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and they were all of the tribe of Judah. And of the chief of the eunuchs, he gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Meshach he called, uh, Mishael he called uh, Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the, to eat the king's food or with the wine he drank. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. As I was preparing this message, I felt like the title should be, Really? You want me to add that too? Because ever since Pastor Chase asked me to, to get this message together, I start praying about it. I open up a notepad and I start taking notes. And God starts giving me notes and I'm taking notes and I'm taking more notes. And, I'm, and every time I turn, I think I'm done. He gives me something else. I said, really? You want me to add that? <laughs> so I've got it in here. Uh, how many people remember Cliff Notes back in school? Cliff Notes were for us people that decided not to read the book. We would go to Walden Books or, or Barnes & Noble, we'd grab that laminated paper, and it would give us the meat of the matter, right? We didn't have to read everything, and then we'd take the exam and get our C, right? So <laughs> thank God for Cliff Notes. That's what I hope today. The Lord gave me three different sermons and said, I want you to squish them together. I want you to cross multiple timelines. I want you to take them on a journey across multiple books, and I want them to see a cycle. But it's going to be okay. Look at your neighbor and say, hold on, it's going to be okay. Here's the title of the message he gave me. Don't bend, don't bow, don't burn. He's really coming. What I, what I say? Don't bend, don't bow, don't burn. He's really coming. Here's the backstory. Daniel is one of the most fascinating books in the entire Old Testament. It has precise predictions. It has messianic prophecies. And it has a clean-cut separation of apostate world religions, things that were going on at the time. The book of Daniel is set in the Babylonian time period and of captivity of Judah. The book opens after King Nebuchadnezzar attacks Israel. And it's the first siege of Israel, which is around 605 B.C. I've always fascinated about the time period. When you attach a time period to the Bible, it's no longer a story. It's real life. This was 605 B.C. Of course, he attacks Judah several times. But the period that we just read where Daniel and those guys were captured were in the first siege. So 
They were, they were along the entire ride. The covenantal background that we look here is God's unconditional promises that he gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He gave them a law, and he told that nation if they follow the law, they would be blessed, the land of Israel would be blessed. But when they decided not to follow the law, they would be cursed, and they would have to suffer the consequences of their actions. There are cycles that I want to show in the Bible that the Lord told me to show you. Uh, as we go through, you will see that Israel goes through cycles. They do good and they suffer. They do good and they suffer. And one time I was thinking and I was praying, I said, what is wrong with these people? What's the matter with these people? What are they doing? And I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, how many times have you asked me for forgiveness? I shut up real quick. I said, I'm no different. I sin and I ask for forgiveness. I sin, I ask for forgiveness. It may be a different kind of situation than what they were going for, but there are cycles here. There are a lot of churches out there that tell you to read the Bible every year. And I encourage you, I absolutely read the Bible every year, but I see some people that stand on it and their pride, their pride at the end says, I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, January to December. And I go, oh yeah, what'd you learn? And he might be able to tell me some stories. But I wonder, if you read it and understood everything in there in your, in your life kind of doesn't line up with it, what good was it to read it? Sometimes we get in there and we go, in the beginning God created the earth, and the earth was without void. And, we're, you know, and we get on. I read 18 verses today. Don't remember anything about it, but I got through it. The problem is, is sometimes we need to slow down and we need to pick it apart and see what the Holy, the Holy Spirit's really showing us through his word. That's what we're going to do. Looking at number two, notice verse number two says, then the Lord gave Jehoiakim, uh-oh, uh-oh. Now, you see, when we read that real quick, we said the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand with some of the vessels of his God, and we moved on. But if we stop, notice the Lord gave. Sure, there's no doubt that Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, I declare victory for my gods as we won over Judah and all that. But you know what? Daniel's given us something different. You see, Daniel's the author of this book. The Holy Spirit inspired Daniel to write this book. Therefore, Yahweh, the God, our God, says, the Lord gave disobedience to the law is what caused it. Can we compare this today to disobedience of God's word? Would God allow America to be taken over by a foreign entity because his children did not follow his word? Sure, because we are no different than Israel. I'm not talking about replacement theology, which is now the church. We're the new Israel. Israel is still Israel, and they're going to have to do with what the Bible says is going to go on revelation. But we are God's children now by adoption, which means that we have to follow his word. And when we don't, there's some consequences that you're going to suffer just like Israel did. Whether it's an actual foreign nation or any leader that does not know God, the true God as his God, it does. God can allow that person to rule a Christian nation due to obedience. Lester Roloff, an American fundamental preacher, said, people read newspapers far more than they read the word of God, and then we wonder why America is in the mess that she's in today. This is the book that made America great, but since it's been kicked out, we've seen America go down and under. Ronald Reagan said, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Moving on, we notice that they were brought into the land of Shinar. Remember I told you there are cycles. The land of Shinar is referenced eight times in the Old Testament. Where is it? How about this? Shinar was the location of Tower of Babel. 
uh-oh. This is where they got together and tried to say, we want to get up to God, we're better, we're all. And then the Lord looked at them and said, there's nothing they can't do. And he split up their languages. This is the same place. Shinar was ruled by a king that Abraham fought. Shinar associated with a Babylon's wickedness. Shinar is the location of Judah's exile. Shinar is a place that will contain the faithful remnant of Israel in end times. Despite the many evils of the land of Shinar, God has preserved his people there throughout time, and he's going to do it again at the end of time with Israel. Why? Because he's going to demonstrate his power, his grace, his redemption on those people that follow him. Why do I bring all this? The Lord wants us to know what happened and happened in this place because it involves Daniel as his time, and it's also going to involve us and, of course, our brothers and sisters of Israel. Verse 3 says, the king commanded Ashtoreth, but notice he says, bring some of the people to Israel, both of royal family, nobility, and use, appearance. Why? Notice the king said, bring some. You see, there's a difference here between what the world, that he stands for the world. And what the world does is that they look at us and they look at the world and they say, I want this person because I like what they look like. I want this person because they fit the mode I'm in. I want this person because they agree with what I agree. I don't want this person because they have too much rule, too many rules. They, they, they got that God thing going on and I don't want that. There's a difference. You see why? Because God doesn't look at that. God doesn't look at your outside. He doesn't care what you look like. He only cares if you love him. Because if you love him and you're one of his, then you're one of his children. He also says, notice the Bible decided to put it, bring me some of the youth, the youth. Why? Why the youth? Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will never depart from it. The king knew this. And guess what? Satan knows this. That's why there's an all attack out on the children of the day. He knows his time is short. He knows who he's got to go after. If, you, if the world can get a hold of the children, then they can change the future of America and the world until one day it's going to be where we're going and where we're headed. You see, there's drag queen story hours now in libraries. They have them on military bases. There's theft of the rainbow. What do I mean? I mean, there's a group of people out there that sold the rainbow, subtracted one color from it, called it theirs. Why? Because children usually grow up and they love a rainbow. It's like giving kids candy. Ah, look at the rainbow. Look at the pretty colors. But then you'll learn about what is going on. Why are there stores with homosexual clothing and we stick them right into the front so we can walk in there and, and it'll be on your mind. It'll be on everybody's mind and on the forefront. God doesn't care what you look like. We know that from the Bible because Saul, King Saul was actually chosen because of what he looked like. They said, oh, this is Saul. He, look at him. He looks like a king. It fit the mold. But that's not what, that's not what God liked. God, or the scripture tells us that David was a, a man after God's own heart. That's who David chose, or excuse me, that's who God chose. How do we see others in the world today? Are we picking and choosing how they'll fit our mold? Because you know what? A lot of people don't fit our mold. And if we start putting people in a mold, we start not witnessing to them. We start not telling them about the love of Jesus because they don't look like us, because they don't talk like us. You see, God will save everybody. He wishes that everybody would be saved. So it doesn't matter who you are or what's going on or your social economic status. He just wants you. Do we see believers like that? Do we see believers as in non-believers with a breaking heart to witness to them? Teach them. Now, the Bible says in the next one that they wanted to teach them the language of the Chaldeans. 
what are they saying? They were saying, we will tell you what you are to know. And they want to, get, they want to tell you what you're supposed to think, how you're supposed to believe. The captives were to learn the literature, their literature, the language of the Chaldeans. Where else do you see this today? Satan is infiltrated into even just who you are. Look at the names. There's not only LGBTQ, there's binary, non-binary, transgender, cis, and a bunch of others. It's the direct opposite of what the word of God says. Because the Bible says that God created man and women. That's it. There are no more. There's nothing else. You can't be a cat. You can't be a dog. And you can't associate yourself with a piece of furniture. Amen. It, it, it's not what God intended. Anything else that you are doing, you are identifying with Satan and Satan's agenda. Why? Because it's direct opposite of the word of God. Then he assigned him a daily portion of the food and the wine. Why, why is that? Because misery loves company. The world will want you to accept them because deep down they know they got a feeling quite what they believe is not quite right. But if I can get enough people to join me and I can get enough people to believe what I believe and I can get enough people around me, then maybe I can eliminate some of those guilty feelings. You know what, though? It's deception, it's lies, and it's also biblical. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not, do not be deceived, bad company bad company ruins good morals. Here's an extra one. If you think that you're uh, dating somebody that is not born again and not Christian, and you're into the missionary dating thing, you're probably not going to win that person to the Lord. They are going to pull you back into their lifestyle. You're going to start partaking of their lifestyle. And if you do it enough, you're going to walk away from God. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, then they were going to bring them back to them, and they were going to say, I want you now, I want you, now that we have told you what we want you to know, now tell us, tell us. Why? That's psychotic. No, because the Bible says in the end times that people will want itching, they'll have itching ears. They want to be told what makes them feel good. This is what was going on. Write this down. If you do not know what the Bible says, you will follow whatever the world says. That's the two opposites. They will demand social acceptance. They will force religion, religion to merge. There is a one world religion coming and they want to merge the religions now. They want to go out of their way to make it look like your Bible is archaic. They'll say you haven't evolved. They will call it, say you have dinosaur theology. That's the new one. Oh, you got dinosaur theology. That stuff's gone. This is the new age thing. Lick a crystal. That'll get you where you want to go. Keep your crystal, I'm not going to lick it. But it begins, it begins with what you believe. You have to know who you are in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 in the ESV says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you're a believer today, you are a chosen generation, chosen by God from the foundations of the world. You belong to Christ. Instead of being an earthly race with common ancestry and distinct physical characteristics, Christians are a heavenly people with a divine parentage and spiritual resemblances of our Father. 
What does that mean? If you are saved and Jesus is your Lord and Lord and Savior, you belong to him. You belong to the king, the king of kings. Imitate Jesus. Look like Jesus. Write this down. Earthly cultural wars should not affect you. You are not of this world. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, your train's about to come off its track. <laughs> Romans 8.37 says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors of him who loved us. Prior to this verse, Paul triumphs over satanic forces that come against us. But when we do not bring the glory to God Almighty and we start doing other things, we're bringing glory to Satan because we're not doing what God wants us to do. Instead of separating us from Christ's love, these things only succeed us in drawing closer to him. We are not only conquerors, but we are more than conquerors. So we're not sitting there selling for baseline. Hey, look at me. I just got in. I'm the God that's going to hold the door to heaven. No, we're more than conquerors. It's not through our own actions and our strength that we can do this, though. You cannot do it in your flesh. You have to do it in the spirit. Allowing God's Holy Spirit to work in us, to work around us, on the people that are around us, the people in our community that we come in contact to. Only the power of Christ can bring sweetness out of bitterness, strength out of weakness, triumph out of tragedy, and blessing out of heartbreak. Amen? Satan's not going to do that. He's going to give you misery. He's going to bring you down. Remember I said misery loves company. Look at verse 6. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Ezariah, tribe of Judah. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Check this out. Daniel means God is my judge. How cool is that? My name is Daniel. God is my judge. Here's what happened. He called him Belteshazzar. He gave him a new name. Belteshazzar means Bel is my judge. Bel is short for Baal or Baal, who's associated with Molech, the god of Molech, where they sacrifice babies. It's, there's a reason why he wanted the youth, the youth. He wanted the youth because there was sacrifice, because there's something about the children. You don't think that that's going on today? There's drag queens standing up. They said, we're coming for your children. That is a straight demonic statement behind the person that said that. Mishael means who is their like God. Wow. But instead they said, your name is Meshach. It means who is like Venus. Hananiah means God is gracious. Your name, Shadrach, illuminated by the sun God. Azariah means the Lord is my helper now. His new name is Abednego, which means the worship of Nego. Beautiful, God-loving, and fearing of worshipful names. And all of a sudden, he changes them to satanic beings and names. That's the cultural influence. The cultural influence is to change you. Never let culture dictate who you are. Why were their names changed? Because Nebuchadnezzar didn't want anything to do with their Hebrew God. 
He didn't want anything to do with what they were about. Yahweh, Elohim, the creator of the world. He didn't want any of that. He had his own gods, the God of the planets that he was, that he was serving. Guess what? The world doesn't want anything to do with you. They don't want anything to do with your God. They definitely don't want anything to do with the name of Jesus. And if you talk Holy Spirit, they think you're kooky. They will call you bigots. They will call you hate mongers. They will say you have no compassion for humankind. If they can get inside your head and they can get a battle going and they can get you to start second guessing what you believe in Jesus Christ, it's no different than what Satan did to Eve. He just got her to second guess what she already knew. It's going to get worse. I don't mean to preach the doom and gloom so early in the message, but listen to this. News report, in May of this year, May of 2023, there was a persecuted church in uh, Nigeria. 700 Christians were killed in the month of May this year in Nigeria just because they believed in Jesus Christ. Killed by Muslims. It's coming. There's going to be more and more persecution in America as, as Christians because the biblical teachings of God goes completely against the digital, uh, against the uh, agenda and narrative of the devil. Never let culture dictate who you are. We are actually said in scripture, we're supposed to be a peculiar people. First Peter 2.9 says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We think peculiar and we say, well, that's kind of a weird word. It means you got to be strange, odd, uncommon. But you know what? When you dig into it, there's an alternate meaning about that. It means belongs exclusively to some person, group, or thing, or refer to a property or privilege belonging exclusively and characteristically to a person. You're a peculiar people. If you're God's, then you belong to him. You show the characteristics that God wants you to show. But Daniel, Daniel resolved he would not defile himself. There's another way to say this. Daniel stood his ground for the Lord, and the Bible tells us that God gave him favor. You want favor with the Lord? Stand strong upon his word and what he says to do, whether it's going against the culture or society or not. Deuteronomy 31.8 says the Lord goes before you. He will be with you. He won't forsake you. He's not going to forget you. When you go through it and you stand up for him, he is going to be there with you and see you through it. Amen? Romans 8.38 says if God be for us, who can be against us? Matthew 10.33 says, but whoever denies me before man, I will also deny the Father before the Father in heaven. That's got to be the saddest verse in the, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. I think the saddest one is when it says Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible, but it's to me the most powerful. So what happens? You go, they go on and they get through this, but then it, the scripture tells the King Nebuchadnezzar makes a gold statue. Tells them that when all the music plays and a gold statue, they got to bow for it. But they said, no. They said, we're not going to do it, King. And then it made the king mad. And he wanted to throw him now into the fiery furnace. He was getting ready to throw him. D.L. Moody, the great preacher, Bible commentary, and founder of Moody Bible Institute says, you don't have to go to heathen lands to find false gods. America is full of them. Whatever you love more than God is your idol. Do not allow yourself to be swayed or pulled in a direction that contradicts the Bible. Israel continued to do this, and we got an example that when they didn't do right, they suffered. When they did right, they, they were blessed. And it isn't about doing works. It was just about doing right. Don't let the culture change you. Let the Bible change you, and you change the culture. 
Don't let the culture change you. Let the Bible change you and you change the culture. The world will say that you need to do this and you need to do it for the greater good. There's a good of mankind. Do it for the sake of humans. What's this mean? One commentator said it this way. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into their mold. When we come to the kingdom of God, we should abandon all thoughts and patterns and lifestyles of this world. In John 18, 36, Jesus answered and said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants who would have been fighting and I, and I might not be delivered unto the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Thank God that they didn't fight. Because if they would have fought and he didn't get delivered to the Jews, we wouldn't be able to go to the God, the Father, through salvation, through what he did. John 15, 19 says, if, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So don't be surprised. There's a spiritual war that was going on back then. That spiritual world con- war continues today. We might not, be, we can't see it, but it's there. There are more than three dimensions, four dimensions. There's like, of they know of, there's like 10 dimensions. And some go deep enough to say that spiritual war is happening in that other, a different dimension that you can't see with your eyes. We're still human. We haven't got our new body yet. If we got our new body in the end, then we'll understand those dimensions and we'll be able to do it. We can walk through walls. We can smell the color of purple. (laughs) Who said purple doesn't smell? (laughs) We'll get there and know what it smells like. 1 Peter 4, 1 says, "Since Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. What does that mean? Since Christ suffered at the hands of wicked men, we shouldn't be surprised to go through battles. We shouldn't be surprised when they don't like us. There's got to be a testing of doctrines. There's going to be a great deception coming in the end. What deception? Well, Matthew 24, 24 says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead people astray, even possible to even the very elect. Do you know who the elect is? Christians. It's the Christians because the Bible calls us God's elect. So it's not the world that God, that Satan is going to deceive. It's us. So you think about everybody sitting in this room right now, there could possibly be one of us, two of us, 10 of us, 90 of us deceived. What do we do? Well, let's go on a ride. Let's push fast forward on the VCR. 12 books between Daniel and Malachi. Malachi being the last book of the Old Testament. What happens? Over those 12 books, Israel continues to go around and around and around. They do good, they do bad. God sends prophet after prophet. Can I say that God has sent prophet after prophet to warn us? Pastor after pastor, preacher after preacher, singer after singer, warning us, telling us what's going to happen. How many times have how many times uh, have we heard and how many times have we turned away? The book of Malachi is 424 years before Christ, but he starts preaching about, he starts prophesying about Jesus Christ in end times. So where is the church now? They got out. They got out of bondage. They were allowed to go back to their land. They built up. They were strong. They started following Yahweh. They started doing the right things. They, they were allowed to rebuild the temple, but corruption sets in. Corruption sets in the priest. Corruption sets in the church. Then they start getting down to the people. 
They've been delivered. They call themselves Yahweh. They call themselves child of God, child of Yahweh, but they didn't change. They didn't live like it. It's a short and powerful book. Chapter one, Malachi reprimands the people for offering blame and lame sacrifices. What are we giving to the Lord today? Are we giving our best or are we just giving them a little bit on the side? Are we just uh, going through life, doing life, however life ends up, and then we get and we give our best to God only on a Sunday? Chapter 2 and 3 says that Malachi rebukes the priest for being a poor example. What sins are we allowing into our lives today? What part of the culture are we letting a little bit here and a little bit there? Are we separated? The Bible calls us and tells us we're supposed to be separated, which means we're supposed to be different than the world. If we're doing this and that, and I'm not going to call things out, but if we're doing A, B, C, and D, and my drunk friend over here is doing A, B, C, and D and doesn't know, then what's the difference? Good news for you. We're both heading in the same direction. And most likely is not up. Malachi tells the consequence to fall, or chapter four tells the consequence to fall on the people. Have we, have we forgotten what God has did for us? Have we forgotten? Do we remember what God brought us out of? Our life before Jesus and after Jesus? I don't even know how people are going through the world today. They have no hope. They have to just reach out to whatever's in front of them. We should never allow ourselves to get allow ourselves to get into a place of comfort because if we get into a place of comfort, we are stopping the forward movement of God and how to advance the kingdom. I had a friend of mine preaching one time. He says, if, if you look last year and you look today, January 16th, last year and today, if I am not forward and doing more for God this year than I did last year, I'm probably going backwards. Because you see, when we don't do something, we start doing less. When we start doing less, we start pulling away. We start listening to the things that are around us. We start listening to the culture. Peter declares Jesus as a Messiah in Matthew. Jesus asked him, says, who do you say, who asked his disciples? These were the disciples. They should have known. Who do you say that I am? Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Some say this. If Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Church, who is it that you say that he is today? He's real. He's really coming back. Do you expect him every minute of the day? Next five minutes? Do you expect him tonight? Do you expect him tomorrow? Or do you only expect him on Sundays? We need, God is a supernatural God, and we need to live our life that we believe that he's a supernatural God. That song that we sung earlier that said he's the same God. He is the same God. I was driving down the road one day several years ago, and, I, and I'm talking to God, and I'm praying, and I'm listening to music, and I'm praising him. And, and I said to him, I said, Lord, I said, I understand that we can see you in the sky, and I can see you in the trees, and I can see you in people. And I said, but why don't you do I said, can't you show yourself to me? Can't you just really show yourself to me? And as soon as I said that, a truck pulled in front of me, and I got ready to be up. What? Hit down on that horn, and I looked at the back of the truck. You know what the back of the truck said? It said, Nazareth Trucking. I said, you're funny, God. You're funny. I love that. I said, that's pretty cool. Uh, I like that. I get through the red light. Thunder, it's the same time. It's five minutes later. I get through the next light. And I said, oh, I got to get some gas. I pull over and get some gas. Now, it wasn't mine. I was actually in a government vehicle. I was in the Coast Guard. I did 20 years in the Coast Guard as an investigator. And I was coming back for investigation. I had to fill up. I had to pay for it. We got a little credit card, you know. So I pull into this, this gas station. I won't say the name. It's not even there. It was not even there. So I pull in the gas station. I'm pumping the gas. And this guy's over here pumping the gas. And he's like, what's going on? 
it's messed up. I don't know what's going on. And he goes inside, and I'm getting something. I still hear him, and they're arguing up front in his name. Well, this guy really, really needed gas. And he didn't have, his credit card wasn't working. And I'm still in prayer, and the Holy Spirit says, you need to pay for that guy's gas. Well, there was no way I was going to use the government credit card on that and go to jail. Leavenworth and me stayed far away. But I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to step out in faith. Now, I'm going to tell you to do this, but God works in faith. I'll tell you right now, I had no money in my wallet. I think I had $2 in my checking account. And I walked up there at this, this gas station, and uh, they were there, and I said, what's the matter? Y'all got a problem? I said, put it on my card. Now, I know that card was going bad. It wouldn't work. But I said, all right, Lord, you tell me to take care of them. I'm going to take care of it. I was only answering what he told me to do. So he goes in there, he does, the guy runs outside, he pumps, he gets his gas, he drives off. I'm thinking, huh, not even a thank you. Um, but backing up a bit, they, while I was paying for it, the guy, he, the guy said, you sure you want to do that? And the first thing that came to my mind was, sure. I said, my daddy's got a cattle on a thousand hills. I said, money's nothing to him. So while he's doing it and I'm inside, the guy's going, ah, he's speaking the language. They were, they were Middle Easterners. Didn't understand what they were saying. They started yelling at each other and this and that and all this. And long story short, they came back. They said, it, it didn't work. It, it wouldn't charge it. He says, it charged it back to the gas station. I'm going to say their name. It charged it back to them, and I can't get it back. I said, well, praise the Lord. You all have a blessed day. And I walked out. I'm pulling into a park lot of Publix one day, and I said, Lord, I said, I know you got a lot of money. And I said, I can use some money. I said, how come I haven't found a $100 bill laying on the ground in a long time? Why don't you show me some money? I walked in. She could tell you. She was with me. We walked into public, walked over to the right, walked to the vegetables, and there looked down into the salad. There was a head of lettuce. There was a penny in a head of lettuce. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You see, he's funny. He knew that I didn't need it. He didn't need it. But he was showing me he was there. Because I believe he was there. We should be living our life like he's real. You see, sometimes we read the Bible and we get to the point and we go, oh, it's just stories of the go, the stories of yesterday. But if we continue to live our life looking for the miracle, looking for him to be supernatural, he's gonna show you the miracle. He's gonna show you he's a supernatural God. Smith Wiggleworth said, there is nothing impossible with God. All the impossibility is with us when we measure God by the limitations of our unbelief. You see, it's us that stops us from seeing God. You say, I tried that before. Nothing happened. It doesn't matter. When you read what happens, whatever happens, God is still God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's so hot today, I think I saw them guys out on the sidewalk. <laughs> they went into the fire. They told the king, you know what? He's going to deliver us. That's the supernatural power. He's going to deliver us. He's going to deliver us. But you know what? If he doesn't, he's still God. So it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, he's still God. Um, so when those guys went through, when, when Israel goes through all their cycles, and they failed, and they failed. They kept coming back to God. The answer was in front of them the whole time. Obey the law, and I will bless you. When you obey the law, when you obey God's word, he's going to bless you. He's going to see you through everything that you go through. When we don't do it, he's got to correct us. 
Remember I said, we're the one that stops us from seeing him. We're the ones a lot of times that puts us in the mess that we're in. Jesus is really, really, really coming back for you. Do you know him? Are you looking for him? Are you looking for him every minute of your life? Because if we're a child of God, we should. We can't let culture change us. We can't let culture distract us. We can't let culture make us a different person during the week and a different person on Sunday. Time's growing short. If you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, you will be left when he comes back. You're going to go through a terrible time here on this earth called the tribulation. It won't be a party. It's not going to be fun. You know, the Bible says that when he takes, when Jesus comes back and those that know him, he takes them out, the restrainer is lifted. If you think life is hard now, imagine life without the Holy Spirit on earth. Anything and everything is allowed. Is society winning in your life? Are you bending? Are you bowing? The title of this message is Don't Bend, Don't Bow, Don't Burn. He's really coming. In Jonathan Stockstill's book called The Remnant, you see, God's coming, Jesus is coming back for a remnant. It's a small amount compared to the people on earth. Jonathan Stockstill's book, in his book, he says, I see a new generation of Christians rising up, determined not to repeat the mistakes of the past. We cannot undo our mistakes, but we must learn from them. We must set a standard of holiness, ethics, purity, wisdom, and make the world envious and hungry for the Jesus that's in us. Are you hungry for Jesus? Does your life reflect a hunger? If everyone could stand, we're going to do a couple things. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than Christ. False teachings will rob you of what is worthwhile, but offering you nothing substantial in this place. Don't think we're at the end times yet? Recently, Germany had an AI church service a fake teacher, preacher service. And hundreds showed up, hundreds of Christians that said, I wanna be part of that new technology. They're not even real. It was two men and two women that, pre that did their thing, whatever AI wanted them to do. The Bible says the image of the beast during the tribulation will set himself up in the temple and he'll speak blasphemy. You don't think that's artificial intelligence? That's my feeling. It's gonna be an AI robot sitting there with a face that looks just like us. He's gonna call blasphemy to the almighty God. Do you know about Jesus or do you know Jesus? You see, there's a difference. One will take you to heaven, the other will take you to hell. Jesus said terrible things would start happening at the end of time. Are you sure you're ready? Are you able to say to him, before, if, you, can you stand, if you were to die today and you, you're standing before the Father, can you say, sir, I didn't bend, I didn't bow, I stayed faithful to you. The Lord gave me two things to do. The first one, the first one has to do with salvation. It's really quick. I have the quickest way 
of praying to get to heaven with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed. Just listen really close. Jesus really, 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 really loves you. I know this because he died for you. He didn't have to leave heaven, but he said, I'll go do it. I'll do it for every one of them. If you don't know, if you've never made him your Lord and Savior, if you never said yes to him, today you can do it. And it's not even gonna take 30 seconds. If you wanna go to heaven and you've never done that, raise your hand real quick. Just let me see it. I see you, thank you, God bless you. I see you, thank you, God bless you. I'm not gonna belabor, go ahead real quick. You're gonna, this will be your 30 second way to heaven. If you've never made him your Lord and Savior, there's already been three people to raise your hand. You can be one. I'm just gonna wait one, just a few seconds. Raise your hand. If you said, maybe I did it when I was younger, maybe I should be sure. If you wanna be sure and you may not be sure, raise your hand to that real quick. Lift them up, lift them up. I see them, I see them, I see you. Guess what? You guys are about to go to heaven. The way we do it at Legacy is we have everyone repeat after this prayer. This is a 30 second prayer. If you didn't raise your hand, that's fine. You could do it. You can just do this now. Just mean it. If you really want to go to heaven, if you believe, we got to believe first. We're going to acknowledge first. I want everybody to say, Father, I have sinned and I need you. Father, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of everything that I've ever done that was not right by you. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for me, for me, for me. I love you. I thank you. I thank you for making me a Christian. I am a child of God. That's it. That's as easy as it gets. Amen. Amen. God is, amen. Shout like you are happy about the people that are going to heaven with us. Amen. God, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. You are so worthy, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number two, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. I prophesy today that the next six months in this world is not going to be the same as the last six months. That's a bold statement. I never do this. Rarely. But the Lord said, tell them the next six months are going to be different than the last six months. The world is not going to be the same and it doesn't mean it for the good either. Life is changing very fast. You're going to see it's going to start changing, but by the rights of everybody's profession in here, we're all going to heaven. You're going to see every single one of us in here together. So what does that take us? We have to be there when cultural is trying to, when culture is trying to change the community of Rome, you are going to change the community of Rome. You are going to change the culture. How do you do it? We're going to do it through legacy. Cause you see legacy is different. 
You go, oh, it's the same as all these other churches. I've been going to the church since I was born. 1972. I grew up chewing on the back of a pew. I know what it's like to sleep under a pew and do my homework during a seven-day, all-night revival service. Legacy's different. I've been in churches for decades and never seen one person give their life to the Lord. I have never, ever seen so many people give their life to the Lord as this place right here. It is true. Which tells me that legacy is going to change the culture and the community. Shout like you believe that legacy is going to change the culture of this community. And we're going to get, we're going to be part of it. Here's what I want to do. I want everybody to raise their hands and I'm going to bless you and make a declaration. We're going to be part of this. Father God, look at your children now. Look at every single person down, Lord. Look at us. Our hands are up because I declare right now that as we move forward from this day in 2023, that in the next six months, legacy is going to be known as a community and cultural changer. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Shout like you believe that. Shout like you are going to attach yourself. If you're going to stand by this church and you're going to move forward and be a cultural changer, shout like you love the Lord Jesus and tell him, tell him, hallelujah. God bless you.